This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Everybody, welcome back to the WOMED. Today we have Dr. Shalise Porcaviani, and I am so excited. I met Shalise at the Figs Retreat, which not everybody listening will know about, but I met her last year and just fell in love with her energy. Um, she just has this giant heart and is an amazing doctor. She's a neonatologist. So, whoa, Nick, you. Oh Danny, my God. it's okay. <laughs> I know, I'm feeling nervous already. It's okay. You're going to love it. Baby's she already scary. asked if I had like a premature baby in my room. And I said, no, it's just Raven. It's just oh. my cat. <laughs> Raven making another appearance on the WOMED. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was like, what's going on? Like, are you at work? Are you in your call room? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't have a knowing? call room. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. No. Oh my gosh, no joke. And this, yeah, it was so epic meeting Dee as well. Honestly, instantly, I think it's that moment of shared suffering when you know you both oh, yeah. have lived it, like, and, you know, <laughs> that world. You're like, you get me. You understand what yes. it's like in a code situation like you can read about it all day long but until you're there you don't know you have right um which leads me to our lubrication question oh she's gonna get it in on time this time we're not getting this in on time okay yes do you prefer begging or giving compressions Ooh. Um, oh my gosh um neither because i run a code no, okay. So, <laughs> Duh. But, in, no, um, but that's actually such a good... Snaps. Um, yeah, snap. In all honesty, <laughs> I prefer bagging. In major- I don't know how like technical we want to get here with things. Bagging but, an ma- intubated baby or a preemie or, that like you're smushing their poor little faces yeah, down? <laughs> no, totally. So majority of the time, so just a little introduction. I'm a neonatologist. I'm freshly graduated from fellowship. Um, the process of Woo. getting there took forever, but honestly, it seems so fast. Literally, I was at the dentist today. She's like, don't you think it's weird that you're so young and you're a doctor? And I'm like, bitch, please. I've went to school for an extra 10 years. Like, <laughs> I've earned this. Literally, like, yes, four years you have. School, three years residency and peds and another three years of fellowship. I'm like, no, no, it, it's been enough years. Like, I think yeah. it's good. <laughs> so that being said, um, I live and breathe the NICU and um, majority of what drives me is those neonatal resuscitations. So your question related to, do you like bagging? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Matt, uh, or giving chest compressions, definitely bagging. So majority of the time, a premature baby or even a full-term baby, a reason for them needing resuscitation is respiratory, as opposed to in our adult population, it's usually cardiac, where you would really jump into those Mm -hmm. chest compressions. So I love bagging. Intubating is my favorite thing, even though it's now becoming, I guess, a little taboo. We're doing a lot more non-invasive um, ventilation, which is phenomenal. We can discuss that a little bit later. But chest compressions oh are God. pretty intense, especially on a small baby. Oh, yeah. You know, you've been there. Oh, yeah. I don't enjoy them on, on baby. <laughs> no. But it sometimes is life-saving and buys you enough time to get your epinephrine in and those life-saving measures. So yeah. mm-hmm. when in need, yeah. by all means. Well, my codes are really different than your guys's. Yes. Uh, So different. I I work in cardiac surgery ICU for adults. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say chest compressions. And I do love, I do love cardiac massage. I don't get to do it. I have once. I know I have once just in like a, I don't know, training. I don't want to say training, but it was, you know, they were just letting me do it. But uh, that's not a regular thing for me, but it's just super cool. So uh, I definitely take that for sure over airway. Yeah, no, totally. One of my best friends is a trauma surgeon. And she's like, oh, yeah, the thoracotomy today. Mm-hmm. And we did a cardiac massage. I'm like, wait, hold <laughs> up. What? I, I yeah, swear. So I cool. think 
medicine should be like divvied up into two different things. Like if there were pediatrics didn't exist, I wouldn't be a doctor. I swear I could not do adults. Like, really? I don't know if you would be indeed. <laughs> I, I just love the babies. I could not even pick yeah. you. Uh, uh-uh, no, sorry. Like Nikki. Oh, no, 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 no. Once that. they can talk to you and like bite you. <laughs> I honestly don't know what else I would do if I don't do what I do now. Which sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what if I burn out? Where am I even going to go? I don't know. I don't know anything else. I feel like you're not going to burn out. Why? You're doing this podcast. You're doing other things <laughs> that bring you pleasure. True. You're in all seriousness, you know? Like that's True. the biggest thing now I find with medicine is we're working so much longer and living so much longer that there's this whole concept of burnout. But there's a newer theory that I've heard of called compassion fatigue. And I believe yeah. in that. So it's the new burnout, essentially. It's where we give our heart into what we do day in and day out. And you kind of just are feel like you're giving so much that you forget about yourself. But you guys are mm-hmm. taking this moment to have this conversation. And I feel like we're like adding more to our soul to try and buy extra years so we can help others. That's true. I love that. Me too. I only made it 12. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of years though, D. Oh my god it was seriously may i call you shaylee's oh yeah no seriously my name is like the funniest thing so i go by five different things but anything that sounds somewhat remotely like shaylee's is perfect so shaylee so okay i'm so i'm originally persian born and raised in the states the persian name is shaylee's but like no one can get that so i say shaylee's but in the hospital no one can understand Dr. Poor Caviani. So I'm literally like, say Dr. P or Shalise. And sometimes if I'm joking, I'm like, just doc by day. It's so much easier. <laughs> oh my God. Like, no, just use so my Instagram handle. It's fine. P.S. Do you follow me? You should. Yes. <laughs> Tell your friends. Yes. My absolute favorite doctor that I work with, no, for some reason, her name is, is long. It's not that bad, but people really have difficulty with it. So everybody just calls her Dr. Penny. That's it. Dr. Penny. Oh Dr. Penny, I think so it's, cute. I know, I think it's fantastic. But Wait, but is Penny short for like Penny something? Penel- something? It's Penelope is her first name. And then oh. her last name is, uh, well, I won't say it, but everybody but I yeah, work with course, will know her course. name. Or like people will be like Charlize. Like, I'm like, sure. Like that's Close fine. enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Charlize. Yeah. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to try. Uh I always like like to ask, will you walk us through all of the training that you've done? Yeah, definitely. Ever, all of your years and what you had to do to be where you are today? Yeah, for sure. For okay. sure. In my case, I feel like I've been in school for the past like 20 plus years. Um, I wanted Ugh. to become a pediatrician when I was a little kid. Like literally, I was that girl. I fell Aww. in love with my pediatrician. Here's a little side story. I used to swim growing up and I like did not like it at all. But my parents were like, this is going to be great. It's going to, you know, teach you how to be dedicated to a sport. Of course, anything I did, I did ex- to the extreme. And I was extremely competitive mm-hmm. with it. As much as I sucked at it, I still pushed <laughs> and kept going. So anyways, these twice a day practices, I did not like. So I was always getting sinus infections and ear infections. And by default, I had to get a swimmer's like a note to stay Mm -hmm. out of swim class. So I got to see my pediatrician every few months and just like fell in love with him and what he did. Dr. Shabbat, I wrote my personal statement about him and everything. So Mm -hmm. I always envisioned myself going into outpatient pediatrics. Um, That Mm -hmm. being said, that was the driving force for me in you know, middle school and high school, they're like, what do you want to be? I'm like, I want to be a doctor. Um, there you go. I'm like class president and all the other I love stuff. It. I'm like, Please, I want to be a politician. No, I still wanted to be a doctor. And then in med school, I went to University of Florida for undergrad and kind of pushed through and being such a huge campus like we are, there's a huge weed out population. I even had my, this is actually something I've never talked about. I had my, we had like a pre-med counselor and I had our mm-hmm. pre-med counselor being like, there's thousands of you guys being pre-med, you're not going to be a doctor. Like literally my first mm. session with them. I'm like, excuse me, what? I'm like, no, no, no. I don't think you realize I've been wanting this since I was like five years old. I'm right. determined I'm going to wow. make it. He's like, yeah, no. And I was like, what uh, do you mean? Like I got a B plus on my last class. Like that's going to deter me from becoming a doctor. He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. Literally the, the <sighs> process continued. And the thing is we all have those stories, right? In life, we all have mm-hmm. those stories of um, 
you know, people deterring you in different ways. I had plenty of other people being like, you should go into pharmacy or you should do this or you should be that. And I'm like, that's not what I want. Uh, I want yeah. to be a physician. I want to be a pediatrician. It wasn't even a matter of being a doctor. It was a matter of being a pediatrician. So I kind of yeah. pushed through that, persevered through med school and did three years of residency in pediatrics, um, at which okay. point I was still gung-ho of going outpatient and being like Dr. Siobhan. My second year um, of residency, so it's two out of three years, we got to rotate through the NICU. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, wait, It's what? really freaking cool. I was like, this exists. And in all honesty, beforehand, everything I knew about NICU deterred me from it. The morbidity, the mortality, the outcome, mm -hmm. the lifestyle. I, it wasn't something that right off the bat appealed to me. So I hadn't even considered it as an option um, until I stepped foot in a NICU. And I was like, this is fantastic. I love mm -hmm. this. And the procedural skill, which was the first thing that really attracted me to the profession was fantastic. And this sounds so lame. It was literally one day I was rotating. I was like, if I get this arterial stick on my first try, I was meant to be a neonatologist. And literally I got on my first try. So then um, at that point, I was pretty much really focused and dedicated in pursuing a neonatal intensive care pathway, mm -hmm. despite the lifestyle, despite knowing I will spend nights away from home in the hospital, but it was yeah. something that once you know, you can't go back. If I never knew right. what yeah. it was, I would be like, it's fine. I can do something else. But now that I know, so then that was three years of fellowship. So you, um, throughout medical training, they call you PGY XYZ mm -hmm. and PGY stands for postgraduate year. So I did six years of postgraduate year training, which ended in June. So now I'm a full-fledged attending. And Ooh, it's, wow, yeah, congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely been a transition. I do miss fellow life as much as I, you know, hated at the time running around taking care of like 50 babies on any given night on my own. I miss the intensity. Now as an attending, yeah. it's a lot more relaxed. Um, there's less patience per attending for safety reasons, obviously. And it, it's mm -hmm. something that I kind of miss the craving of the intensity of running around, but it's something that I've been trying to take in and appreciate it for all my years of hard work. Um, that being yeah. said, it's, you know, going to continue to evolve. And as you know, the morbidity, mortality rates are improving constantly within the NICU. So what I know now is mm -hmm. going to be a whole different world five, 10 years from now. Yeah. So what pushed you to do locums work right out of fellowship? No. So it's, I actually, okay, it's kind of crazy. Everyone asks me this question. Mm -hmm. I wanted to travel and work in all honesty. And my mm -hmm. biggest thing is I'm all about work hard and play hard. And this gives me mm -hmm. the opportunity to really dedicate myself to a unit, give it my all for the week, two weeks, and then have a week of flexibility to be able to do other things uninterrupted, such as sit here with you guys with this podcast, go yeah. on a yoga ritual, yeah. you know, really soul search, discover what I want. And it allows me to be based out of larger cities like New York, where I am now, mm -hmm. and I can travel out. But the biggest thing for me is I want the excitement and I want the challenge. And going mm -hmm. to different units allows me to get that. And it's don't get me wrong, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be going into a yeah. unit with different, you know, D unit, like, for example, I'm like, okay, now let's extubate to Hudson prongs. And everyone, yeah. it's a special type of ventilator and so, like a mask. And people look at you like, what's going on, then you kind of have to MacGyver things and finagle things. And that is something that is constantly challenging. Mm -hmm. I don't foresee this being lifelong. I don't think it's per se possible, but definitely for this next year. So what locums work is like, um, if for those who don't know out there. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, so I discovered it through one of my best friends, Sarah does locums for pediatrics and another good friend, Steven does them for OB-GYN. And as a result, through a friend of a friend, I got in touch with um, Brian, who does them for NICU. So I've now surrounded myself with people who have this model. So what ends up happening is majority of the time, especially graduating from an academic institution like myself, you go into an academic assignment. So I would mm -hmm. work at a hospital that's based out of a med school. I would have an academic route with a research tract um, in that sense. 
my model right now is I realize I love clinical medicine. I love being at the bedside. I love mm-hmm. having a hands-on activity with the families. I'm not the type of person who can sit down in an office for hours on end to have office hours. I like to be on my feet. So the locum yeah. model right now works because when I'm there, I'm doing 100% clinical and I don't have any administrative work. So what ends up happening is there's different locums companies and agencies out there. So you kind of hook up with recruiters. There's a few big companies out there. Um, I can list a few, Weatherby, Comp Health, um, Locum Tenants, MPLT. We can chat on the side more if there's anybody out there who needs help with this. And what ends up happening is through these locum companies, they essentially present you to different hospitals. So for example, in Iowa, you had asked about that, Danny, there Mm -hmm. recently two of their physicians have retired. It's been a very difficult struggle for them to recruit two physicians to Iowa. So as a result, Mm -hmm. they are hiring locums to kind of fill that need. A, the credentialing process within a hospital can take anywhere from four to six months. So essentially as a locum mm. tenants, depending on the urgency, you kind of can get fast track through their credentialing as well because you're vetted through the company themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And the company covers your malpractice insurance. You're responsible personally for your mm-hmm. own health insurance, but they will cover your travel, including your airfare and hotel, but you cover your own food. So financially speaking, it kind of evens out, but I get the flexibility of being able to travel in between and experience new units until I kind of want to decide on where I want to plant my feet. Yeah, that's really cool. Noom, 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 noom. Happy Halloween, guys. Have y'all tried out Noom yet? Honestly, I'm like really curious what your holdup is because Danny and I have been using it for almost five months now we've both seen and felt major changes in ourselves. Physically, I have way more energy. I'm feeling better in all my clothes. And honestly, Elle Wood said it best. Endorphins make you happy. I've been making time for myself to get out and get to a secret little gym in Nashville and get my steps in walking around the lake. It's peaceful and energizing at the same time. Noom is not a diet. It's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. No food is good or bad or off limits because personally, I'm one of them weird ones that loves candy corn this time of year, but my health coach helps me find what foods work best for my body. You don't have to change it all in one day. Sign up for your free trial today at noom.com slash WOMED. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. Honestly, what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash WOMED and start your free trial today. It's the last weight loss program you're going to need. I had no idea that you could do essentially like travel nursing, but like being a travel doc, like that's just so cool. Yeah. And the thing too is so travel nursing, from my understanding, based off of the nurses I've spoken to, it's usually like a 13 week assignment. Mm -hmm. You go to one Mm -hmm. place and you're kind of dedicated. The benefit with travel nursing is you usually get healthcare through your company mm-hmm. with a travel yeah. physician, the NICU is very much shift work. So I will fly out for a week at a time, dedicate a week oh. to the unit. Yeah. So it's not like I'm stuck in the area. So earlier I know Danny, you're like, are you still I in Iowa? Seeing- so I yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there for <laughs> 10 days. And in all honesty, the 10 days, it, units are set up differently, but the 10 days I was there from 8am, the second I took over call, I was on call for 10 days straight till 8 a.m. 10 days later. So essentially I was the wow. only neonatologist covering 90 miles based out of a larger level three unit. Wow. So it can get a little stressful at times and nerve wracking. I was a bit anxious going into it. But once I was there, you have the support of your amazing NICU staff who've been there for years. And everyone's so appreciative that you're there helping relieve their physicians that it, it's really worth it. And the patients too. It's it's kind yeah. of nice bringing a different perspective. And I gain a lot as well by going by yeah. learning different styles and techniques. I yeah. was going to ask if that's more difficult because I know just in the various NICUs that I've worked in, yeah. when different attendings would rotate through and the whole plan of care ends up like changing for like yes. some of the more chronic kids, which you have in a NICU, you have kids that are with you for three, six, nine, sometimes a full year. So I'm wondering how that is as like a traveling doctor yeah. kind of jumping in and exactly. and taking care of those chronic patients that might already have 
something in place. Well, and that's the largest challenge with it. One of the biggest things that I had to learn throughout my medical training thus far is as much as medicine is a science, it's very much an Mm -hmm. art. And I was describing this to my dad a couple years ago, who's like a PhD physicist himself. He's like, what do you mean? It's a science. I'm like, no, (laughs) Baba, it's not a science. Like it's an actual art. It's the Mm -hmm. way you engage with the families. It's the way you engage with your nursing staff. It's the literature that you read and expose yourself to and see how much you want to take that and apply it to your patient population. So that does Mm -hmm. get extremely difficult. And you know, D, for example, a new attending comes on within a day or two, things have changed for better or for worse. And you kind of go with the flow. Yeah. So for example, one of the places I went to, I went there and the next day, literally half of the patients, I was a little based off, I guess, based off my training, had a different perspective and discharged half the patients because I was like, there's no need for them to be in the hospital. They can follow mm-hmm. up as an outpatient with their pediatrician. And just, I'm lucky enough to have trained in a New York City based hospital where we've had, we, the institution I'm at, we have the most amount of deliveries out of any mm-hmm. hospital in the city. So as a result, I'm exposed to a lot of um, bread and butter, but I'm also exposed to what's not right and what mm-hmm. works and what doesn't work. So that's <clears throat> the hardest part is translating what you have to a new unit. So what I usually do yeah. is I take a day or two to learn the policies and kind of really work with the staff, see how comfortable mm-hmm. they are if yeah. you know, and kind of support the families and the nursing staff through it, but also make sure that I'm not ruffling too many feathers. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I go home knowing I'm doing it for the patients. Mm-hmm. And majority of the yeah. time, everyone in medicine, we find, especially in the NICU, things are changing. People are dying for wealth of knowledge and information. So people soak it mm-hmm. up. And it's all about your personality. Oh, yeah. Like I could come in and not be who I am and probably wouldn't have the same effect as guys, we're working as a team. Let's do this for the patient. And it kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping a baby intubated is a lot easier than keeping them extubated. As you know, Dee, like the nurses are at the bedside stimulating a premature baby all day long if you're extubated, depending on the situation. But you kind of just have to explain the reasoning behind it, the pros and the cons and get people on board if it benefits the patient at hand. Well, that's why... I really like what you said. And it's one thing we actually talked about in college was how nursing is is a science, but it also is an art form. And there's there's an art to being a doctor that has that same outlook. You know, there's there's an art form to like working as a team and being able to being able to create like teachable moments and not have them feel like condescending. And like that's why I feel like you I would love to work in a unit that you're the attending in. Oh my gosh. No, it's awesome. And it also depends on how much of an extra step you want to take. Here's a Mm -hmm. simple um, explanation or not explanation, a scenario. I'm on call last night. I'm newly vetted. It was actually the first time I was on call where I had residents underneath Mm -hmm. me. And I, yeah, which was crazy. They're like, Dr. Viviani. I was like, no, no, call me Shalise. I'm literally two years older than you. Like, that's so but weird you, and your logo that's so weird yeah no it's so crazy it's it's awesome but no exactly that situation we had a hypoglycemic baby within um the lnd the nurses mm-hmm. there were following the protocol however the nurses on the newborn nursery didn't feel comfortable with the baby coming up with a borderline glucose my resident comes to me and says that they don't feel comfortable with the admission instead of sitting there and just barking orders, I was like, you know what, let's go and talk to the nurses. Let's figure out what's going on. So then you kind of go and talk to them and you realize it was anecdotal. They had a patient a week prior with a very similar story that they didn't feel comfortable with. So you kind of just hear the concern because everyone has a valid concern. You just have to Mm -hmm. take the time to listen to it and understand where they're coming from and explain why this situation's a little different or vice versa. So in that whole setup, then... Literally, I took a warmer, you know, one of those heel warmers down to labor and delivery, got them to repeat the glucose in a more of an appropriate way. And the glucose was 10 points higher, which I knew it was going to be based on my experience. And then everyone felt comfortable. After they had maybe fed them like 20 cc's of formula. (laughs) Well, it was more the, you know, the labor and delivery rooms are cold for sterility. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. sometimes just need a heel warmer to vasodilate and get that blood flow going because the blood sits in 
in the cells, the more of the glucose is consumed by the cells themselves. So you kind of explain the situation and then everyone's yeah. happy. The baby doesn't have to come to the NICU as much as I love NICU babies, but it's yes. on with mom and everyone understands you're right, Dee, like feed the baby, then do the glucose. But until you hear people out, you don't know. And that's why, I mean, my biggest thing is I hate being bored when I'm on call. I'm like, I'm here yeah. for a reason. Let me work. If I'm not yeah. here, I'd rather be at home or hanging out with friends or family. But if I'm here, let's let's keep things going. Yeah, that's just sure. a really great attitude. Yeah. It is. You just have a really great attitude. Are you this energetic all the time? I mean, it's kind of scary, but yes. It's unreal. It's, it's unreal. really awesome. <laughs> like, what do you eat for breakfast? And I'm really serious asking that question. Yeah, no, definitely. So I've been big into cold brew these days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier than, you know, hot coffee. Yes. Um, and usually, so this morning I was post-call. I luckily um, overnight had a quiet night. So I got what they call strategic napping in between a few of the calls just to make sure I was up and ready for any um, emergencies that arise. In New York, I don't know if you guys know, there's all those food carts out there. So mm -hmm. then I paid my $1.50 for my medium coffee. It's the only time I'll get them to put sugar in coffee because it's like yeah. the worst coffee ever, but it's right there and you kind of need <laughs> Yeah, it's there. Gotta and do it. Then you come home and you make, well, I had some leftover overnight oats, which was a recipe I got from one of my friends recently. Mm -hmm. So simple. You go to Trader Joe's, overnight oats, um, you know, the, I don't know how detailed yeah, yeah, yeah. get into it. Overnight oats, you get your dried coconut, your blueberries, and you kind of put it in. It's so easy. And you just go with it. And I did a little bit of spring cleaning in the fall. I know I'm six months late. And... Um, <sighs> <laughs> literally went to the dentist for a cleaning if you can't tell yeah your mouth looks great <laughs> no and one of my um, best friends was in town from Miami so we went to the speakeasy for a drink oh, and nice. here I am now wow I just I'm impressed I'm so impressed I mean don't I thought me you were off. gonna say something super special about your your breakfast but you're just normal just a normal gal <laughs> yeah she just has a really beautiful energy yeah well that's the biggest thing is I'm here to hopefully spread that energy and you know help people cultivate their inner truth and their inner self yeah. you know we all like wake up in the morning wanting to do our best and I think a lot of times we get frustrated at work when our colleagues or co-workers aren't really up to what we expect from them but in reality everyone comes in in the morning wanting to do well we just have to help mm -hmm. each other and make sure that happens yeah, I agree. So out of curiosity, this is a very random question, but I feel like you're going to have a good answer for it. I'm excited. So what are, I don't know, like three to five things that you think really cause negativity in the workplace that you try and avoid? Yeah. Because you just seem like such a positive person. And I, I like just a picture of you, you truthfully, you can tell you're extremely positive. You yeah. have a great energy. Like I'd never met you before. And I was like, she just seems cool. Like, and she has great teeth. I will add that. So I'm glad you got yeah. your cleaning. But <laughs> yeah. So like, what do you what are some things that you think are just, you know, maybe toxic to the work environment or create negativity or something like that, that you avoid? Mm -hmm. So especially in, I find in medicine, there is this um, unfortunate hierarchy that comes with mm -hmm. it. Like I'm a fellow, I'm an attending, I'm a senior fellow. And I really think one of the unconscious biases and roots of some of the negativity in the workplace is that hierarchy. And mm -hmm. um, especially women in medicine find it's a competitive environment. And a lot of times us women don't necessarily support each other through that. I Definitely few years ago, I went to this leadership conference and it was run by a, um, it was an ED physician who was consulted within our hospital to try and gain leadership aspect within the workforce. And one thing she said was very, very interesting, which has stuck with me is when she calls a male colleague asking for a referral or a reference, a male colleague will refer five of his good friends. Majority of them are his male buddies. When she mm -hmm. calls a female physician asking for referrals, the female physician, majority of the times will say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't know anyone, or I only know one person. So that wow. then in and of itself shows that we're not really promoting each other. And it's yeah. hard because we unconsciously have this competitive aspect within us. And I don't know if it's mm -hmm. a gender bias or whatnot, but I think the biggest thing within medicine is we need to just support each other. So if there's mm -hmm. anyone ever talking bad about someone, I'm always the first one to try and defend that person, give them an explanation or reasoning, 
for example, someone will be like, so-and-so hasn't been on top of the game. And I'll be like, well, actually, I think there was an underlying reason you should talk to them as opposed mm-hmm, to yeah. just going and just making assumptions. So that's one of the biggest things is always giving people more credit when other people are not because mm-hmm, we're trying mm-hmm, to do well. And if we're not mm-hmm. doing well, we need to help each other, um, especially yeah. females in medicine and even across the spectrum, especially in New York City there was a very, very high suicide rate. Um, there have been multiple suicides within training physicians and attendings mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. A lot of times the media tries to hide it. And unfortunately, the hospital systems do the same just to protect their names. And the biggest thing is yeah. we put so much of our lives and energy into it. And there have been times where I've gone to work, especially when during my training, and people just bash you mm-hmm. when no one's really hearing you out. So that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. The first thing, sorry, this is the long-winded no, answer is, no. you know, supporting each other and giving people credit when they deserve it. Um, mm-hmm. The second biggest thing is getting an admission is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's I love it. So the thing is, sometimes people, for me, at least with my personality, feel like it's sarcasm at first. But once they know me, they're like, no, she's actually excited <laughs> about this admission. You know, like, <laughs> and that's the thing. You just have to like fake it till you make it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just I have five admissions at the same time with this kid crashing and that kid crashing. But that's what I've trained for. That's what I'm here for. So I mm-hmm. find that if I have this amazing spirit and energy and try and refocus why we're here today helps spread that. So the biggest thing is don't be negative about more work Mm -hmm. because the work is why we're there Mm -hmm. and what we're pushing forward. And the third biggest thing within medicine is almost this thing of, especially I found in the past, and I hate to say this is it's okay to have a life outside of work. Mm -hmm. It's yes. You know, and the biggest thing is, is I guess trying to support each other in that. Um, of course, there's a balance to it all. We want to make sure we dedicate enough time within the library, within our readings and our studies, but promote each other's wellness. Mm-hmm. And I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest things um, that I don't necessarily find or can improve on is that within a work environment, instead of saying, or here's another thing, knowing when to say, I've done enough work today. And granted, I'm the biggest component or I'm the biggest fault of that. Like I can't leave work once I'm there. I want to be there, but knowing that it's okay to walk away, it's okay to ask someone else to finish up following that one last result. You can follow it up from home and text them, but you can leave for the day. So those are some of the things I tend to look more at the positive and not focus on the negative. And I think that helps for sure. No, that's great advice. Very great advice. I've since becoming, I've only been a nurse practitioner for a year, a little over a year. And since becoming an MP, like the role change is so vastly different than being a bedside nurse. And I have had some major issues just calling consults, dealing with anyone. It's like, you aren't one of the bedside nurses anymore. You're not one of the physicians. You get automatic disrespect until you prove yourself, you know, probably because I'm an NP, or at least that's what I feel uh, anyway. But I get so much pushback from women in particular, and it's so hard. And I just want to be like, hey, we're on the same team, you know, and you would never do this to my attending, I'm sure. So it's just been tough. And sometimes I catch myself being really negative about it. And I don't want to be that way. Like in the back of my head, I'm like, stop, you know, like stop thinking like this. But it's hard to catch yourself at times. So and that's the biggest thing. That was one of the examples I was giving is just accept that this is work. And this is what we're doing and treat Mm -hmm. each other nicely. It kind of makes the day a lot easier as opposed to kind of spewing out negativity. The biggest thing, though, I can say is we can only control ourselves. We can't really control other people's actions and how they decide to communicate. Um, One piece of advice I got in medical school, which I thought was the cutest thing ever, and that actually helped me drastically. Um, It was my very first day of clinicals. And at this point, I had spent two years studying um, in medicine and studying the textbooks. And it was my first day in the hospital. And I had an internal medicine attending who was just notoriously known for grilling interns, grilling med students. And I left my first day walking home literally on the phone with my mom crying, being like, Mm. I can't believe I just spent the last two years of med school for this. Like, this is not what I thought I signed up for what's going on. 
thankfully with the love and support that she offered me and helped me kind of you know kind of cry out that situation and realize that yeah that was just one day it's just one individual and the way they decide to treat their medical staff or their trainees um and shortly after that someone had given me this lovely piece of advice which was so perfect and I still say it to myself when I run into situations like this be like Teflon it's non-stick let those comments just slide right off of you if you I love that right I swear it's like it's so simple and it makes sense if you let them stick you will perseverate you will go through the scenario over and over again in your head but you Mm -hmm. know what you did was right based off of the given data points at that time so have trust in yourself to let that just fall right off of you and you don't know how someone else is perceiving things or how their day is maybe they just are not having a good moment yeah yeah no, that's very true. Yeah. I knew you'd have good advice. Oh, I don't know. Be it like Teflon. Me. No, literally be like Teflon. I love it. Non-stick. I love it. <laughs> but then find those around you who are amazing and get them to stick to you and stick to each other. I like it. For support. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> so did you have any um, mentors in med school? Yeah. So it's funny you asked that. I was actually thinking a lot about this recently. Um and advising. So through my social media platform, I've established that as a way to mentor others. And I was trying to figure out what mm-hmm. brought me to this platform and why, why this. And it really brought me back to med school when I felt like I didn't have other people mentoring me. It was one yeah. of those things where, you know it too, an NP school and nursing school, you're all in the same class, you're all freaking each other out. Like, you need to get this score on the NCLEX or you well, NCLEX is like pass fail, but you need to get this score on this study, or you need to make sure you get this clinical at that hospital to make sure you mm-hmm. get this job. And you're just literally advising each other. But in all reality, it's the blind leading the blind. You, yeah. you know, you really don't have anybody older than you advising you. And the beauty of social media is now we have people who've done it, who you can look up to and say, wow, I can take a second for myself and go to that yoga class and not feel mm-hmm. ashamed for it, that I'm not spending that hour in the library. Oh, wow. It's okay to take the weekend off to spend with friends or family, as long as I hit the books running on Monday and continue my studies. So a lot of that comes with early on, I felt like I didn't have mentorship outside of my own close friends. And later on, as I've grown up, I've seeked one of my co-fellows, Mickey, I really look up to her. She was a year older than me in my medical training process. And we kind of instantly clicked and bonded. I actually remember her from my interview trail. It was actually one of the reasons I ranked the program I ended up training in because of this individual. And just the energy they gave off was something that really was something I was wanting to pursue my, you know, education within. But she was definitely very fundamental, just a year older than me, very similar situation, going through the same processes. So it kind of stuck with that. Also, my chairwoman of my hospital had been a mentor in the sense of helping me navigate research of something that doesn't naturally come to me, yet it's a requirement that I had to do in order to finish fellowship and try and make sure I had some scholarly project. It was such a great opportunity to go through that process. Um, So I would say they have mentored me, but the biggest person in my life have been my parents, especially my father. On those days where I was like, I don't know what's going on, or I can't believe so-and-so's making me feel this way. It's been nice to have someone to just be on your side and an advocate, no matter if you're right or wrong, they just are there lifting you up. But that can be from anyone, just surround yourself with positive energy. Shout out to dads, man. Dads are awesome. Yeah, no, literally. I find dads are the best. They're just so level-headed, at least the majority are. My mom's yeah. awesome, but my mom's advice literally majority of the time would be like, you need to go and tell them that that was inappropriate and not to do it this and that. You know? <laughs> yeah. My dad's like, no, nah, just relax. Give yourself a beat. My mom's like, who do I need to yell at? <laughs> no, and you True. need both of them. And regardless of if yeah. that's your mom or your dad or your two moms, or your two dads giving you advice, like who knows what it is. It just, you need someone there for you. Mm-hmm. And honestly, friends as well. I find myself, um, it's a lot easier to have non-medical friends in the sense that you, when you're done talk with work, you don't necessarily have to perseverate on every little detail. You can kind of remember there's more to life than hospital 
um, yeah. where I've been working, it's been, con- you know, nice to reconnect with those within it because they can relate. Like, mm-hmm. D, you know what it's like when I say epi right now, you know what that yeah. means, like chest compressions yeah. versus bag mask. Like, it's just yeah. common nomenclature. You're making me miss the NICU. It's bit right more. there if you want it. I know. I'm just, I'm pretty happy, like, focusing on this, like, new chapter. But I do, I love knowing that it's something that I can go back to. No, exactly. And that's the biggest thing is we at time need the ability to kind of pause our situation Mm -hmm. and go different routes when they present themselves. And yeah, you once had it and you can have it again if you want it. Just it's not for you in the cards now and you've chosen that. So that's really, that's like a leap of faith as well. Major leap of faith, but. I'm proud of you, Dean. Yeah, no, say, honestly, that's look at us. We're supporting each other. That's right. This is a great yes, example of that. It's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. Dee, don't we worry. If you ever want to hang out, I'll, I'll, I'll let you come. Play. Uh, yay. <laughs> they'll be like, who is this? I'll be like, she's my support system. I need her right now. I did want to know what possessed you to start your Instagram account and why did you decide to start doing that? Yeah, definitely. It was the exact same reason you guys had mentioned in the beginning, in the sense that I find my personalities not your typical normal doctor, and people were just naturally attracted and gravitated toward that. And I felt mm-hmm. like there was some light or sense of positivity that I wanted to share with the world. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily one day that I kind of started it. I always had my profile as Doc by Day, and it was just one day where I was like, you know what, let me share what I actually do at work. Of Mm -hmm. course, within guidelines and HIPAA compliant and such. And I just started posting more medically relevant content that just came naturally to me and Mm -hmm. um, content that was really raw and fresh and myself. And for some reason, people loved it and were just naturally attracted to it and wanted more. And I was happy to be honest and supportive. Um, What's the biggest thing is I love being available on my platform, but I spend a lot of time on the back end answering private messages and really mentoring, especially Mm -hmm. it's a lot of females who reach out as far as wanting help or advice. And it's just really helpful. One of the instances was um, this individual who recently her mom wasn't feeling well and was just wondering what her options were. And I was like, why don't you just ask your school for medical leave? She's like, wait, you could do that? I'm like, yeah, why not? So it's a matter of just helping others out and it kind of started spiraling a little bit and going um, a little, I don't want to say viral, but it was to a level where I could direct positive influence and positive change in an otherwise hard world, especially here in New York where life Mm -hmm. can be tough sometimes and it's a rat race, but it was almost just allowing women and it really relates to everyone. Just be true to yourself, be true to what you want and what you're Mm -hmm. doing and help each other out and smile while you're doing it. Even if you're not feeling the best smile, I promise it's going to make you feel better. And if that doesn't go to yoga class, and if that doesn't go to a spin class, and if that doesn't (laughs) go to kickboxing, kickboxing, yeah. (laughs) Or message me on Instagram. (laughs) Well, you're so freaking great. Your Instagram reads, it's so authentic. And that's what you're just, you're so real. You're so raw, like you said, but you're, but like your light and your positivity really radiates through that. And it's, it's very authentic. And that's not something that many influencers can master. Yeah, And it just comes so naturally to you. I know. Because- or like, I'll post a photo literally of me post call. And I'm like, this is what it looks like. Like, this is life. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't always look our best. We don't always feel our best, but we just have to be true to who we are and be there yeah. for each other. So that's the thing is I try my best to keep it as positive as possible. Um, I know people sometimes will say you're being sarcastic or this can't possibly be true, but that's the key to it. You meet me behind and you're like, wait, it it, it is what she's, you know, her mantra is true. It's It's really there, so... Why not? And I hope everyone else can help spread that as well. That's the biggest thing is you can only influence change so much as one, but as a whole unit and the whole mentality, we can help everyone out. I'm so glad there's providers like you. Oh, God, me too. It's so refreshing. You definitely would have been one of my favorite docs to work with. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. If only I could work everywhere. Wait, 
but I can with low. But you can <laughs> if you can. No, Come 100%. to Cleveland. No, seriously. Why not? Let's get the Ohio <laughs> license going. Here Do it. Anybody need help? Anybody? I'm here. Well, Shalise, what's next for you right now? Like, what are you? What are you working on? Yeah. Honestly, the beauty of where I am right now is I'm just appreciating not having something to work on. That's if awesome. That, if that even makes sense. So a lot of us are very type A, OCD. You're appreciating the present. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing I've learned is like literally just feel your two hands touch mm-hmm. and you're here and you're whole. And it's really, really helped me um, do that. But I think my biggest thing is trying this transition of mm-hmm. finding my voice between fellow to attending life is my immediate goal. But that's something that really comes with time and yeah. will get better. But it's just really appreciating the now. And I feel like, and this is a big thing I learned recently at that retreat we went to last year is mm-hmm. we forget about ourselves. So yeah. I'm doing a lot to help give back to myself so I can help give back to others I and spending that. more time, you know, going to that extra yoga class or more time mm-hmm. doing what I feel like I want to do as opposed to having had to do certain things, which has been pretty awesome and pretty nice. The biggest yeah. thing as well is, um, I don't know, I think it was actually on one of the questions you had emailed over and I was kind of thinking about it. It was one of those like life-changing moments and life-changing events. Yeah. One of my best friends and closest friends from med school she, a year after becoming an attending, had a really traumatic accident and ended up becoming a paraplegic after a rock fell on her at Torrey Pines in San Diego. This is a oh, urgent care physician. Gosh. Literally overnight, her life changed. But the biggest thing was, and this was around the same time I was in the middle of my fellowship and things were getting stressful. They were getting real. The mm-hmm. lack of sleep was really hitting. And it was one of those wake up call moments where it's like, Everything can change tomorrow. So why not appreciate today? And the biggest thing with Anna is she's still practicing. She's literally paralyzed from functionally from T2 down. So that's about mid chest down. Still sees patients. Her spirit. You think I'm a positive person? Wait till you meet her. Her spirit. Wow. No, literally her spirit and her soul has transected so many waves and helped create this such a life changing influence within me myself so I was like you know what now's the time to live and now's the time to be honest with who you are what you are and what you really care for so d if right now your calling is to do whatever you want you go do that and be honest (laughs) to yourself because you don't know really what tomorrow is and yeah we all have challenges and we all have struggles and on like there's moments that you come across that really make you feel like wow, I'm so fortunate and grateful for who I am, who I have around me. So that's the biggest focus is being grateful right now and having this gratitude. And Thanksgiving's coming up, so. I love that holiday. Yeah, I know it's the best. You are the most balanced, wonderful, positive person. Like your outlook is just ridiculous. Like it's it's amazing. Wow. No, it's, thanks guys. I'm happy (laughs) to share. I think as a neonatologist, you literally see life every single day in front of you. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, in one way, numbs you to it, but in another way, it, it wakes you up. I know that's a bit of an oxymoron, but you no, have it's to stay, true. right? You have to stay numb so you can stay level headed while you're at work. But when you have the opportunity to kind of meditate on what you're doing and what's at hand, it really brings everything into perspective. So why not yeah. enjoy yourself and enjoy life? And there's nothing mm-hmm. like, a 4 a.m. birth to uh, wake you up for the rest of the night, too. <laughs> no, 100%. So. Or, or a sad call for resuscitation yeah. with, like, a bradycardia and a Category 3. Those are what I live for, and everything else, you kind of wait till you can help. Um, but yeah. the biggest thing and my biggest message for people out there is no matter what you're doing or what your goals are, know that it's going to be tough. And one of the lines that my mom always says, which I don't know if I always agree with it, but... If it was going to be easy, everyone was going to do it or everyone would do it. Know that what you're doing is going to be hard, no matter what profession you're in. It's -hmm. something new that you're learning and you really just have to persevere and push through. Yeah. If it's your true calling. So be honest with yourself or else that mantra doesn't really apply. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just in awe. Like I just want to stare at your face all day because I feel like, I mean, even on the computer, you have this like. Sometimes I can see auras, and you just have this like bright, like white aura, and like I. Ah, oh, you're wonderful. Oh my gosh, I wish I could give you guys a hug right now. I swear, that's <laughs> <laughs> the best. Oh, you guys are so awesome. No, thank you so much for having this platform and inviting me on today so I could of talk about this aura and kind of spread the love and spread the energy that, you know, well, all of our hard work deserves. that's what the woman's about, providing women with a place to share their stories. And it's just, it's been such an incredible, incredible experience. So thank you for coming on and sharing yours. It turns out people do... People do so many cool things, like you said, that aren't related to medicine, too. That it's yeah, it's really refreshing to see everyone uh, have lives as well. Yeah. No, exactly, and that's the biggest thing is just because I'm a physician or I'm a lawyer or I'm a dentist doesn't mean I'm any better than the person next to me. We just all have to mm-hmm. appreciate that we're all doing what we really want. So, where can we find you? Like, what's your what Instagram handle? Do you have a blog or as well? I do what comes natural with me. Um, I love taking photos. And one of the biggest things that has helped me with that has been my Instagram platform. So on Instagram, it's doc underscore by underscore day. So literally doc by day. I do have a website that's associated with that. I kind of dabbled in blogging a bit, but I had other things such as fellowship um, taking some of my (laughs) time away. So my biggest platform in all honesty has been um, doc by day. If anybody ever needs to email me, I'm nycdocbyday at gmail.com. So I've been helping people out via private messaging or um, my email itself. But yeah, my biggest platform's my Instagram, which I, I go through waves with it depending on how busy I am with my locums or whatnot in my life. But those are easy, easily accessible platforms. And if you're on there and we want to chat more, I can always share my cell phone so we can have a conversation as well. But that's what it's about trying to make what we do accessible to others and hopefully inspire people and kind of motivate them to kind of push through through that hurdle and make it happen awesome that's amazing we're glad you're here no you guys are amazing as well thank you so much I love this (laughs) I can't wait to I I hope I get to meet you someday like I'd really love to meet you you someday no we it's gonna be awesome we'll definitely I'm sure paths will cross and um hopefully sooner than later thanks Shalise thank you I'll be here if you guys need anything alright this has been another episode of the WOMED and we're out <laughs>